Yeehaw, it's Meemaw season. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I actually don't know if it's Yeehaw or Yeehaw. Yeehaw. Oh, I guess Australians, Yeehaw. Can I get a Yeehaw? And that's something Ethel said at her show. Yeah. And I really love that. She said that before Thoroughfare. But more importantly, before we get into reviewing the show, a really magical moment happened. So I have not been feeling the best. I've kind of been a bit run down. To be honest, after the freezing cold temperatures of Canberra, but I finally left the house and we went to a show, which we'll circle back to, the night before Ethel played in Melbourne. Yep, to see another show. We were kind of toying between where we're going to have dinner and we'd thrown out a couple of options and then we landed on a dumpling spot one that we really like undisclosed yeah undisclosed location in like a alleyway somewhere look if you know you know it was bustling like there was no space in the building there was like two different booth seats and they were reluctant to give them to us because it was only a party of two there was really nowhere else to place us like you know they love to do that shove you on the end of someone else's table and you're way too close and you can't really speak it was a bustling thursday night reluctantly they gave us this booth seat right at the window so harry's sitting back to the window and and I'm sitting facing outside of window. Into the arcade. Into the arcade, which, you know, the menu is kind of right to the left. Wait, that sounds confusing. It's to the left of my eyesight. So if anyone's walking past, they're going to come in, look at the menu. I'm going to get a full view as they're walking by. So kind of sitting around and just like people, just people are walking past and they're just fucking dripped. Not like hypebeast dripped, a little bit of that, but I'm seeing fits. It's very cute out here for Thursday. You know, I keep kind of mentioning to you, people are just so well dressed, love to see it. And then finally, this one crew comes up, but they're not walking collectively. They're walking one by one, which I don't know at the time that they're a group. And one guy comes up and because I'm sitting where I'm sitting, he's come up to the window and I'm kind of like, I have no choice but to perceive him. Dude comes up wearing a shirt and tie, but it's like a bit stylish, a bit indie. I was like, oh. And then another person comes up and I'm kind of like, oh, okay, yep, getting a vibe. And then a girl with pink hair comes up and, you know, like I loved my fellow colored hair people. So at that point, I start saying to you, Harry, seriously, people like they're just wearing these fits. Then the next person comes up. You know that feeling where you're like, you see someone and you're like trying to place them? Yeah. How do I know this person? Yeah, you've seen this person. I've seen this person. A million times. It's like the internet thing. What's that called? Parasocial. Yeah, like a parasocial relationship. Much like you have with us. Yeah. You, the listener. (laughs) I'm looking at this person and it's taking me a second because I'm kind of just like still absorbing the last hundred people that have walked past wearing fits. And then this person comes right up to the window. I'm talking like we are now one meter away, separated by glass, and you're kind of in that way. Yeah, I have no idea. You've got no idea what's happening. You're just just hearing me like. I'm just eating the spring onion pancake. Yeah. And then I just gasp. Same sentence. I mean, you said it was one long sentence. Yeah, you said, oh my God, there's a lot of swaggy people walking behind you. I didn't say swaggy people. No, you said, said oh my God, the fits tonight are popping or something like that. I did not say popping. I'm not Jack Harlow. I'm sorry. No, that isn't what I said. You're a a hip hop fan. Whoa. Okay. This is not what we're talking about. I was saying. No, you said, you're like, oh my God, the fits tonight are lit. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck my life. (laughs) One of those three. You're saying the people of Melbourne are bringing the fits tonight, dot, dot, dot. And then... Yeah, I said, these people of Melbourne, like, they're fits. Oh, my God. Like, Ethel Kane. And I stopped speaking. Yeah. I thought you were saying, like, these... Ethel Kane ripoff ass fits like yeah, you're like these, these bootleg ass yeah fits. like Ethel Kane imitators but what you're really saying was oh my god Ethel Kane is behind you dude and I was like <laughs> uh what do you mean by that and you're like oh no Ethel Kane's behind you and I was like 
oh, what the fuck are you talking about? And then now you're like, no, seriously, Ethel Kane, the real Ethel Kane is behind you. And I was like, oh shit. And then yeah, slow spin I don't know around. how I spin. Like, was it a quick spin? No, you, as soon as it landed. Well, you, you, you were like, oh my God, they walked past. So I was like, okay. Well, no, because she came right up and again, was looking at the menu. So she was like yeah, studying. One of those little like, like, is it lectern? Like going to do a speech? Like yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. little propped up menu. She stood there for like an extended period for me to have to repeat myself. Mm. And she had those big doe eyes because she was just concentrating. And it was like deer in the headlights. And I was like, oh my God, this halo. Because again, that parasocial relationship where I've like seen her and watched her and observed her for some time now and then just trying to rack my brain like who this could be because even though we're going to see her the next night, there's no way that I'm thinking we're going to see her tonight. There's, I didn't, two nights later. We, yeah, it, it was two nights We were not going to see her yeah. two nights. It's rising season in Melbourne. It is rising season, but it, even then, to me, it would have just been a normal yeah. person walking past. Like, it wouldn't have but been. But that's why I feel like it was bustling in a way, because there is a bit of a festival energy going on at the moment. There's a lot of stuff happening, a lot of gigs. Yeah, but, like, this is the thing. So, I'm now talking about fits. All these people have come past. To be clear, Ethel Kane, for real, the real deal person was literally in the arcade behind me. Ethel Kane is behind you. As you spin, she's starting to walk off. You see her. You freak out. You go on a like a. Well, I'm you've like, done your own swan dive to I'm, get the paparazzi angle. Well, I'm pressed up against the glass, <laughs> and then you're the happen? puppy in the window. She walks away, and then they all stop at the next restaurant. And now they're, they're like, now intently. they're two meters away. So they're they're in the mindset of like, you got a side profile view. Someone in the band has said, "I want Asian," and then they've gone. Boom. And I was right there in the window waiting. Nice. <laughs> I can't look much out. It's just my cheek may as well have been like pressed up against the glass and all I can see is Bethel. I can't see the rest of them. Yeah, so what happened and she's was... she's just doing that like folded arm, like stare at, the, stare at the menu again. and With a little like slouch, you know, bow-legged, being Parker on. Low-key. and then Very low-key. And then I was like, oh my God, are you going to go say something? What are we doing here? And yeah, you, you're like, go say something. And I'm frozen. I was like, if you want to go say something, this is the time. I feel like you didn't want to do that, which is fair. Well, there was a few things going on one I was inverting and then I was having scenarios in my head about like what I could possibly say to not embarrass myself and then I couldn't think of anything I could possibly say that wouldn't make everyone uncomfortable it would have been uncomfortable it would have been an easy get like if you caught her outside the restaurant in that alley you would have been very low-key I feel if I was walking past I would have had to get out of the booth get out the door go run around and then what casually walk by and then I would have to casually walk into the street so it didn't look like I'd run out of the restaurant no you'd have to just admit that you've just jumped out of the restaurant just be like oh my god I saw you walk past blah 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 but fair enough it's not your style well it's not my style and also like I had to think about the context I I think I talk about this a lot where you know I just really don't want to be a nuisance and I know and respect the tour life is fucking stressful like she already fainted at the upper house like she's tired like they've just flown in from Brisbane obviously it's a night night off you decided you're not going to do it fair enough now we're just enjoying the moment still took a photo I was obscured enough she couldn't see me at all. I was sort of quite far away. Was it you were really flexing those paparazzi skills? Yeah, and I was like, I may as well get the shot. I can see right here. She and no one will believe she us. She can't see me. It's not like I'm in her face and like getting a shot. I'm just like, you know, fuck it. I'm just gonna get a pick because why not? And I got two picks and they almost look fake. Like they look like Yeah, so like, they look like Photoshop, like Bernie Sanders with his mittens. They look like some <laughs> Tupac is alive shit. Like, yeah. you know, they just, but you know what? Here's the thing. No face, just shoes. 
Rose. Yeah, like real Jane ones, no. Hoodie. Side profile, you can kind of tell it's her, but you can also easily not be her. It could be anyone. Yeah. The saving grace that we have is that she wore the same shoes to the actual show. Well, yeah, we didn't need, there was no doubt that it was her, but yeah. yeah For yeah. any of the haters who are trying to, <laughs> like, shit on us, it was real. So just it up. happened. I swear it happened. And you know what? We even did a video to film our reactions at the time while I was in shell shock. Oh, man, it was pretty real. Like, it was one of those situations where I was just like, I'm just glad it happened. I think if I was to have approached her, the only thing I could possibly think of to say, I mean, I could say all the things about how your music is just like so meaningful to me or whatever. Or I just admire you so much. But what I would have really liked to say to her is that I just think you and Salem are the coolest sisters ever because obviously I'm close with my sister and that we're really into other sisters. That's what I would have wanted to say. But in the time of shell shock, that isn't what I would have said. I would have talked a lot. It reminded me of that time with Eric DOA at Nando's. Something about us at food spots. We must have like taste. <laughs> as much as it is you're talking to this famous person, there's a big factor of just starting a conversation with anyone where you kind of like, how do I enter this space of theirs? Yeah, like how do you slide in the DMs IRL? Even if they're not like famous or whatever, I think as a normal adult who has like chill, you're always trying to figure out like, how do I actually say something here? I think you're kind of grappling with how do I do this in a normal way that is like to my personality. I feel like if you were in a conversation with her, it would be very normal. And then there's like fan artist dynamic as well. As we know, artists put on a bit of a, I think they put on a bit of a personality for when they're talking. Yeah, you have to mask and play a role in order to surpass the fear of it all. Because you're in the industry and I'm in the industry. There's a different level of maturity, I feel like that comes with that you're not going to be a blubbering mess this is the thing it's like i don't want to be i don't geek out often like i think the only time i really like have a very vivid memory of approaching and this was one of those exact moments which happened close by it happened where ding dong is rolling us howard after his show r.i.p I just was in the alleyway smoking a CD. He was out there smoking a CD and I just like got the courage to go up to him. And I just, oh, I don't think I said anything too embarrassing, but I was just like self-loathing about it afterwards. I could have just innocently said nothing. And now I'm kind of just deeply humiliated in my mind. Well, I was listening to a pod before with Rick Rubin and Jack Harlow. He said that the best feeling is when someone just comes up to him and says, he kept saying the word dope. He's like... <laughs> That's so dope. Yeah, I'm so dope. But I think artists appreciate when you do compliment the art and you just sort of speak to them. I think it's just getting over that hump of weird. Basically, how do you do it in a chill way? But I think once you get past that barrier, unless they're absolutely can't be. Well, this is the thing. It's kind of a weird dynamic because I've interviewed a lot of artists and I feel the same fear. There's like that paralyzing feeling before you enter the call or you have to enter the room face to face. It's like always soul destroying in the way that you're just like internalized anger wish you know you have a purpose when you're like i'm interviewing but if you don't have that it's like you're not there on like work and you're just a fan on the street it's really hard to kind of figure out a way to make that an even playing field because they're famous and they're iconic and yeah. then you are just some stranger yeah i don't think there's any way to kind of combat that yeah I mean, it's different when they have layers to them as well. You know, when I saw Carl Stefanovic at the Australian Open. He doesn't mean anything to you. No, he hasn't done anything. I don't care. I'm just like, this is just funny. And it becomes a lot easier because you're just like, ha ha. But still a bit weird. You did get his autograph though. That's pretty funny. Oh, hell yeah. Like, and a selfie. But you're still talking to an absolute stranger. The thing is, they don't know anything about you. And it's kind of annoying in a way because you know that you've got chill and you know that you've done this before, you know, in different circumstances. But as far as they're concerned, 
you're just another freakish fan. Well, like the example of the Eric Jayway Nando's thing, like I could have just said one sentence and my nervousness, which when I get nervous, I actually talk more, which can seem like I'm feeling confident. So I'm just talking a lot and I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah. People in the day to day tend to have friends who are around the same age. So then you're also playing with this sort of dynamic of, you know, if someone's younger than you or older than you or whatever, it's not always the norm to speak to someone who's maybe in a different age group. You know, I didn't do this, but when you're with Eric DOA, you didn't do it, but there would be a tendency to bro down and say things that you, I think it's like. <laughs> no, that's like that time we had to do those Vox Pops. We were on Chapel Street and Harry's like, all right, we're seeing these like two, like, oh no, it was one like young skater guy. And you're like, I'm like, all right, all right, you have to approach him. And you're like. This dude was oh. 11 though. Like, I'm not. No, nah, he wasn't 11. Maybe 14. He was like 14. It's very, yeah, and you're very like. Little. Of all the openers, you... I don't even know what I said. You said, hey, man. But I say, hey, man. That's the thing. And Dave on Dave, they actually talked about the hey, man when he DM'd Drake, yeah, which I true. thought was fucking hilarious. You didn't only just say the hey, man, you chucked up a peace sign, but what are those low peace signs? Yeah. So the actual thing that happened without the propaganda around it <laughs> was I said, hey, man, as I say to everyone, what was seen as a peace sign was a little two finger wave. Oh, like a hey, chief. No. No. <laughs> okay. Yes, but no. Like it was a two finger like <laughs> wave down. Like a, I'm doing it right now, like a bunny fingers, <laughs> bunny ears. Bunny ears is a peace sign. I know, but it's a, like, it's got the motion. So. <laughs> It's like a peace sign wave. It was a wave. Bay. What it looked like was me going, hey, hey man, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Like, that's what it was. And the dynamic as well was we were doing surveys. So we were like- You were like of, about music. We were like those people who sell charity. And we weren't. That's the thing. I was just trying to understand how We were doing a job for someone. And it, was a, it was a relevant- About music. Yeah, about music. So we weren't, being, weird. we weren't being annoying, but the dynamic was get the hell away from you freak. And I was the freak <laughs> in the situation, unfortunately. Oh, God. Well, anyway, so back to Ethel. So, yeah, that happened. And I have to flag here. So, I was wearing one of my, I've got two spy fuck hoodies. And if you call back to the subreddit Misfits episode that I did in Journal Pod about the first time I really listened to Ethel Kane after you were like, you have to listen to it. I think you're going to stand this artist. I had said in that pod, I'd been waiting for an artist to fill this void that I felt when Spike stopped releasing music. Spike's music really spoke to me. Sad girl troll shit. When I heard Ethel, I was like, this tone and just like the deep feelings based music and it's got that country element to it ethel and spike both have that haunting voice kind of like a roy orbison or a johnny cash where it's just like deeply haunting johnny paycheck no that's what jack harlow called him oh i don't know how we've gotten into jack harlow talk johnny paycheck <laughs> i was wearing my spike fuck hoodie what the fuck are the odds that i wear this hoodie and then ethel kane emerged i wish she had seen it and seen the hoodie, to be yeah. honest. Well, when we left, we did a slow drive-by with our feet. I made deep eye contact with one of the dudes because Ethel was facing inwards, same position as you, back to audience. Yeah, and then probably I, strategic. Yeah, strategic, which tells me that she didn't want to talk to anyone. So I made the right decision. Yeah, and also her pink-haired friend was her manager yes. that we've later found out. So her manager has some very nuanced skills and is saying, every restaurant we go to, you need to sit inward. That's a good manager. I or mean, they didn't think about it at all and it's just Yeah, I mean, it could be a coincidence. It was, these are the things we have to hypothesize about. Actually, something that she did say at the show, because sometimes you forget that her name is not Ethel, it's actually Hayden. Yeah. At the show, she really made a point in saying, we are Ethel Kane, as in the band. So we get there, and I'm wearing the same skirt. It's 48 hours later. 48 hours later. We just saw Debbie Friday and Desire Maria. And that was who we were seeing that night. And that was a great gig. Yeah, Debbie Shout Friday. Out. Debbie Friday was great. I prefer yeah. Debbie Friday as an artist, Debbie but Friday was amazing. wearing the best outfit. Shout out to Uda for the tickets. Yeah. 
universe. And manages both. Yeah. Very cool. Very, very cool. Very cool. So Debbie Friday really won me over. Because I saw her merch at first and I was like, oh my God, this merch is lit. It looks like Moa Lola. Like she had a VHS. The last VHS I bought, which ties back to Ethel, is the Edith one, which is Salem, Ethel's little sister. Who, okay, I just have to flag that I don't know what you people are snoozing on here, but basically Hayden is on tour and Salem is at home. Salem is the name of her sister. Not Jack Salem. Because we're saying Jack a lot. It gets really confusing. Salem, the band, is also affiliated, but it's all confusing. Yeah. So Salem's sister. Yeah. So Salem's sister's at the house. Salem with a four. No, Salem with a four is the band. Oh, fuck. See? See, now this is confusing. So Ethel's sister, Salem, Salem, is at her house back home. So she's just like doing her thing. She's an absolute troll on Twitter. She started a Depop for both of them. And it's kind of mostly just Ethel's things that she's finding around the house and she's flipping on Depop. And I don't know if that's to like pay the rent or what's going on, but she's just out here just listing stuff. And it started to get more pricey as it's gone on. Like she's listed a CD, like $5,000 or something. She listed the heels, the clear dancer heels on the cover of Gibson Girl. And she listed those and they got sold. I think that was 700 US. I considered it. Stock price gone up. So now like things are getting more expensive. She sold one praying goodbye horses sock that was worn by Hayden. I don't know if she's getting approval on these, but she's doing it anyway. Absolutely shocked. They only have 1,448 followers on this joint account. And then if you look, they're following one person and then you actually click through and it's an actual Ethel Kane account on Depop. Nothing listed, nothing on there. I followed this when it was under 100 followers. It's only up to 256. So if you are snoozing people, you better get on there because who knows what kind of heat's going to come along. So we saw Debbie Friday, amazing, loved it. 48 hours later. So now we are heading to the forum. So here's the thing. When we went to see Young Lean at the forum, I actually intended to wear my Ethel Kane hoodie. The I'm just a child, but I'm not above violence. The brown hoodie. Somehow I managed to get this drop. I'm so relieved. You saw it as it went live and you're like, merch just dropped. Without breathing, I was already in there into cart. So I bought the hoodie, the brown one. I went to wear it at Young Lean and it was just too hot. So I didn't end up wearing it in the end. But I did wear the same skirt, which is that tiered Victorian type of skirt camo one that I've got in Sodom Arm in Sweden. So I was wearing that again. So it was really... right. We travel. Yeah, we travel. But you know, this is that kind of skirt where you have to like, it's very vampire diaries. You have to like hold it with two hands as you like scurry up the stairs like a medieval princess or some shit. So I'm wearing that skirt again with the hoodie and we're like trotting along. I've got my like platform Mary Janes on. So, you know, I'm not scurrying at a fast pace and we get to the part where like Culture Kings is bypass there and we're like, all right, we're just going to go straight in. So dumb for us to still think that she's just one of our faves. It's a 5.30 show as well. Yeah, it's early. And then we get to the front. This is an early show and then there's a Thundercat show happening at the same venue later that night. Downstairs. Yeah, in the main room. So this is in the theatre room, which I thought it was the one I saw Hate Rock in years ago, but I don't think it was the same. It was much bigger. Amazing venue. So we get there and think we're just going to cruise on in. I'm all like, I kind of need to pee and I want to get some merch. You know, you've already copped the Coachella long sleeve. Yeah. I've already got my hoodie. I don't need merch and I don't really wear white t-shirts and I'd already got the heads up from Bronte who went to the Sydney show about what was available. So we were like, well, the Coachella one you've already got. So there's only this poem t-shirt if we want to get it. Get to the front. There is a fucking line. Doors haven't opened. And I learned this at Maggie Lindman. Stands do not snooze. But I, in my mind, was just still not sure how many fans Ethel had. Yeah, it went around two corners. We basically ended up where we had started. We were close to last in line. <laughs> no, in the end, there was more people that went behind True. us. And, you know, these people were fitted. There was a lot of camo. It's similar to Young Lean actually a lot of camo a lot of like I have my little braids with the bows that look like bandages in them a lot of 
of that going on. You know, we had the Slay Gold Hoop Girlies. Yeah. They were out. There was some like Pitchfork fans, like older Pitchfork fans. It was kind of a mixed bag, but mostly very clear Ethel, I would also say Young Lean fans yeah. in the audience. We were like, all right, we're definitely going to see Ebony Mai. Is that how you say it? Mm. From TikTok there. We both worked with her. We, again, with that paralysis, like whatever it's called. Parasocial. Parasocial thing. It's like, we know her because obviously if you are on TikTok, you know her. She doesn't really know us, even though we both interacted with her. We just see her like talking to someone in the line and she's got the little like gingham skirt. Similar outfits, actually. Like the little tiered gingham skirt with the like little braids with the plaits in them as well. She looked great. Other than that, the only other people we saw really in the line with our friends, Julie and John. It's taking ages and like there's this deep anxiety happening. I think because it's rising season and there's also an AFL game happening, I don't realise that it's fucking long weekend either. Mm. So it's all happening and there's just this tension in the air. Like everyone's got nervous energy, especially me. Yeah, because it looked like there was like 2,000 people there for a 500 cap room. There wasn't. I often Google low key when I'm doing things out in the wild, such as when we're at a strip club in America, like how to function in a strip club. But in this instance, I was Googling the capacity of the venue and I was like, have they changed the venue here? Is it going to be downstairs? Like what's going on? But it was all normal. It just looked like more people. Oh, I was just generally stressed. There was about 500 people there. Yeah. So anyways, once we get in, it's on. We're all getting taken up the stairs and where the merch stand is normal. It was very polite though. Yeah, it was really it polite. Was no, like, no one well, was Well, the like, merch rushing. stand was empty, which is the one that the Young Lane one was at. And there was nothing there. And I was like, okay, there's no merch. And then I was like, oh, there's this second line. It was not a great idea to put the merch in the upstairs bit because now the staircase, you're trying to go up there, but also down there to go to the bathroom, but then also a merch line in the like smallest space. So that was happening. And then I kind of was like, you know what? I'm going to go up and look at the merch and then decide if I want to go on the line. So I friend Julie in the line. She was like, if you want anything, let me know. It was the Coachella merch, but your one has long sleeves and this was a short sleeve shirt. Yeah. Your one was way better. Yeah, I'm a long sleeve white tee kind of guy. Well, you were wearing your Ice Age one. Yeah. You know, the Virtue Signals were out. I had my Ethel hoodie on. Yeah. Went up, kind of looked at the palm tee and I was like, you're not going to wear a white t-shirt. I've got that rare Salem Playboy Bunny dollar sign shirt stored somewhere safely in my parents' house. I also have that tattooed on me that I got years ago. I was just kind of like, unless you're getting it for display, it really doesn't make sense. So I had to like make the decision that I'm not going to cut this merch, which was shocking. Like I really usually don't have self-control like that. Like even when we were at my cam in New York, went back into that merch line like three or four times. But I think they had a lot of supply because there was a line for ages at the start and there was also a line after the show and they still had merch and it was always full. We get into our seats. It's a free for all. This is the stressful thing as well. You had to just kind of get whatever. Yeah. Like we weren't too close or anything, but we were in the middle row. Yeah. Everyone had a good viewpoint. Yeah. I think because it was on that incline. Nice venue. Yeah. Really nice venue. So we're still waiting for the show to start and there's like a few seats towards the front that are reserved for like, I assume media, friends, guest list, rising staff and householders or whatever. Yeah. And those are getting full with, I'm not sure who these people are, but they're like diehard fans mixed with the industry. I decide, look, I've still got time. I need to pee. So I run downstairs and it's kind of annoying because you have to go down these stairs, go down the merch line stairs and go to the bathroom there. I saw a set times poster near the bar, which I contemplated because we got that one at Young Lean. And then I didn't take it because I was like, people probably want to know the set times. After the show, it was long gone. I don't know who took it or I if the, the venue, venue did. I reckon the venue took it. Yeah, because I had to change it for Thundercat once. Always rip down the set times page if you see it, if you're into that. Yeah, that's true. So I went to the bathroom. Not the set of, list. Yeah. Which oh, is a whole, well, that's whole different whole, uh, That's a whole different competition. Yeah, and they were like gaffer taping that shit down. So I went to the bathroom, kind of eavesdropped on some people, looked at fits again. On the way out, saw publishing royalty, Brody Lancaster, in the balcony area. Had a little 
chat. I was saying to her, I was like, oh, I'm just like generally anxious. Like there's anxious energy. I was like, I had no idea how many fans she would have. I was like, she's just not our artist anymore. And she was like, I know she's just not our artist anymore. So Brody is one of the few people that has actually spoken to Ethel. Where did she do the feature? It was age. Yet to read it, but I'm glad yeah, it happened. It was paywalled, so you're not going to read it. Oh, fucking paywall. Well, that's probably few, why. Yeah, I've seen a few ages lying around the streets, so you might be able to steal one. I might be able to see a screenshot on Instagram or something. So that was on, and then I had to scurry off because I was like, I've got to get to my seat. Went back up, sat down, and then, you know, waited patiently. Dude comes out, gaffetates the set list down. Band members come out first, then she comes out. She's wearing the shoes that we saw her in, the same jeans we saw her in. Like Could have been the same hoodie as well. Could have been the same hoodie, actually. It was a Carhartt hoodie, ranch look. Yeah. You know, vintage Levi's. I mean, I wear the same hoodie. If I have a fresh tea underneath, hoodie really doesn't touch the skin. Yeah, exactly. And you're on tour, and Who she cares? had a little shark clipping. She's just comfy as. It was giving <laughs> There's an outfit that Bronte wears when she's just having one of those days. And she wears her Mane frame hoodie. This is normcore? No, it's not normcore. It's cozy core. Cozy core. It's just like emotional support outfit. Yeah. Your emotional support hoodie. That vibe. I mean, if you're going to feel confident in it, you're going to get the best performance. Yeah, and she did. She fucking yeah. performed. So, yeah, she came out, performed some songs. It was all happening. Like, everyone was really seated. Actually, that's something that Brody did say. She was like, oh, how do we stand up or sit down? And then she was saying that her friend who's doing the tour, Emily from Penny Drop, was like, you stand when she wants you to stand, you sit when she wants you to sit. And then at one point she said, all right, you can stand, you can stand if you want to. Yeah. And if you sit down, that's all right with me. And then everyone stood up, obviously. Yeah. She performed. She did all the fucking songs. It was amazing. Like, I mean, I'm just a little simp for the song Crush. Like, it's just so obvious, but it's just such a good song. Like, yeah. I just loved when she performed that. She was doing this thing where she was, like, fully, like, holding people's hands and singing to them. I don't know how these people were holding it together. They weren't. No, <laughs> yeah, they weren't. There was one girl who just was crying when she <laughs> stared at her. Like she was getting embraced by her boyfriend from behind, and then Ethel was just singing at her, and oh. then she started, like, crying. It was kind of funny because it's, like, they're filming her, and then she She's coming up to them and like giving them all the attention. They just keep filming. This person just like shaking, <laughs> like shaking with one hand and like holding the hand with the other. Oh man, it would have been so intense. Well, she was getting given gifts as well. At one point, someone gave her a white rose and then they were like, it was from that person back there. And then Ethel kept doing these cute little waves and she was like, thank you, thank you. And like waved at the person. I was like, oh my gosh, she's so cute. Yeah. She had this real ability to be like belting and then like switch it off and do some fucking comedy, which was a lot like Phoebe Bridges was similar where it's- yeah, I was really impressed by her voice. Oh, it was effortless. I feel like she used a lot of like reverb and effects and stuff that she can really sing. Yeah. Like Florence, when I heard her singing live, I was like, no wonder you're a Florence fan. Very like well, rounded I, voice. Yeah, and I think also Florence has co-signed her since the very beginning, like even from the White Silas era. Yeah. And there's photos on subreddit where it was just like a photo from back then. The same photo now in that recent, I don't know if the tour's actually happened yet, but a recent photo. Yeah, it's happened. Yeah. It, it makes I, me wonder like when Ethel got these chops because you don't just well she you... talks about it at the Southern Baptist Church yeah but it's like I always think about that with artists like this I'm like the years of dorky non-edgy stuff that you have to do and then you have we found taste... that really random ass podcast from ages ago when yeah, it was yeah. still the White Silas era she was just a normal little SoundCloud artist yeah but even like when you're like 12 you know I always find it interesting the dorky ass shit that you're <laughs> singing which is actually making you better but you're probably doing hymns or like you know some I mean it's like what's 
Images always post those throwback photos of her being this dorky little kid. Yeah. And you can just see it so vividly. There's a video of Ed Sheeran apparently when he's 14. It's on YouTube and he's singing and they played it in an interview and he just sounded terrible. And he was like, I didn't always sound like this. I- well, if you think about the Kid Leroy when he started, he didn't have the voice he has now. Yeah. But you could see the potential. Actually, you know who was always effortless is Archie as in King Cruel. I saw a video of him. He, I think he won a competition or something to play at Glastonbury when he was really young. Yeah, he right. was always that cool. Also Bjork, like there was a video of her being really young. She was performing like Benny. They were very similar. Literally Benny. The lighting situation was really good. It was quite considered. Like I didn't think there would be a lot of stage production, but it was actually very iconic to watch it all. I think when she started seeing Gibson Girl and the red lights came on, it got a bit Lynchian. I loved how the like pianos, a lot of like her ad libs and stuff was getting just played through a track. They weren't sort of like trying really hard to create every part of it. Yeah. They had guitar, drums. She doesn't have bass in the band. Yeah, it's just guitar and drums and then the rest is just coming through recorded, which I think I actually love that because some artists just try to recreate everything live, mm. which can work. Actually, I think it was Amine when we saw him mm. live and I was like, it's a different experience. You know, that is what it is, but I don't want to hear like the teeny drums. I'm not into the jam band thing anyway. What are those drums called? The like, the fills? Oh drums? yeah, with those little metal brush things. Yeah, it's like, I don't... <laughs> oh yeah, the fills and then I don't like the little metal brush thing. Yeah. You know, sometimes it can be pulled off, but in this instance, I was like appreciating I the think also high it's... definition of the recording. Yeah, and you're a big electronic music fans so yeah. I think that kind of you're used to hearing recordings as well so she played Gibson Girl and then it got all schmoody and I was getting a bit sexual in there and then the fans were losing it yeah they were losing it <laughs> at that point it was just like it was all too much she's like making eye contact with them and the lights are going and talking about shaking her ass and it's just all too much I mean like, it I'm, was still pretty I think like, I was blushing it was still pretty chill I was I don't know I was feeling uncomfortable it wasn't like crumping was... no 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 I was like blushing for them yeah. because it would have been intimidating so anyways it all wraps up and she goes off stage saying thank you you're like she's gonna do an encore I'm like well obviously but I also have she to she hasn't like, played American Teenage no so she hasn't played it's it it's obvious she's gonna yeah, come back yeah but I'm also in like gotta prepare myself in case she doesn't because when we saw Carla Rae Jepsen at Golden Plains she did not play Boy Problems yeah. and I was like oh and yeah. I've been hyping it up and it never came so you know I just had to be ready for it and then thank fuck she came running out and she's like one last song American Teenage and then like by that point half the credit run to the bottom yeah, yeah. it reminded me of when we were at Taylor Momsen and me and Jay just like went crazy yeah. ran it went from like order to basically a mosh pit. Yeah, and I stayed in my seat because I just was like, I'm going to get the best for you here and I just think I won't be able to handle it down there. And then she played the song, everyone's singing, everyone's got their fucking hand up in the air. It was a very religious experience. You know, that was the end of that and she was like, see you next time. And I'm like, I wonder who's going to get her next time. Like, I mean, I was so shocked that we got to see her this early on. Like, I was assuming it was going to be like a laneway festival or what falls isn't happening, but Splendor or something. Sure, you know? play festivals. Do you reckon laneway? Do I think you... either laneway or I mean, what other I guess the graduations are? always you do the sort of the niche festivals and then you do a laneway and then you do a Meredith or something. She would be great. All at these Meredith. festivals would make sense, and then she'll play like bigger shows to accompany them. Yeah, I mean, and she's going to be, all be such a big. Shows. And especially for those people in the front, they were one meter away. Yeah, that was getting pretty... touched. Well, you know what? You know who else was one meter away? Us at dinner when we saw her out the window. Yeah. Now, in hindsight, I knew at the time this is a very special moment because I wasn't aware of like how deep the fandom would be. Now, looking back, I'm like. I can't believe that the fucking universe brought us here. Coordinates. Yeah, like the fucking serendipity of it all. And I'm wearing the Spike Fuck hoodie. It's just too much. It's too much for me to deal with. But after this boy genius tour in America, it's all over. Oh, no, it's all over. Because I remember being at Phoebe Bridges and, like, the fans are strong. She's going to win over so many more. She intersects in so many different genres that it's almost like, how could you not stand her? Just waiting for the EDM world, waiting for Marshmallow to get her on a song. Yeah, yeah. That's when you know it's, like, really... It's like 07 O'Shea. Well, I would like to just hear remix 
like I haven't really heard any remixes. It's not that much material out. It's not like, like a Benny Blanco remix or something is destined to come out, right? Which EDM artist is like a Skrillex remix or something? I'm just waiting for that. Sort Fred of, again remix. I hope the management has a bit of control and they sort of they don't just give it away like that. Mm. I don't think they will. So apparently she didn't play American Teenager. We found out later in Sydney. In yeah. Sydney. So my confidence was actually completely empty because it could have happened. Well, I think it was after she fainted and then she did play the second show. Maybe that song was quite a tough one for her to perform. It just didn't seem like the energy of when she ran off. There was no suggestion that she wouldn't do a complete set with that. It wasn't like, oh, I feel like she's going to wrap it up now. It just if- It's too big of a song to skip. I'm surprised yeah. she didn't play it, but maybe she did intend to play it the first night at the Opera House. Yeah, she would have. Well, we've heard feedback that she has actually performed it at Dark Mofo, yeah. so that's great to hear. I'm not disappointed in any way. Very impressive. Top shows of the year. I mean, me. we got a message from Julie afterwards just being like, I feel baptised and I agreed. Can't wait for the next one. Just a big thank you again to Penny Drop for just fucking serving with these tours. I mean, Penny Drop's been at it for so long. Like, I think ever since back in the day when I was going to shows, I think I'd been to so many Penny Drop shows. It's hard to stay this relevant and on point. So yep. taste is there. They're also doing the How Long Gone tour. Taste making. <laughs> taste making. I really appreciate it. It's good to see these artists, like, connecting with their fans IRL especially after those years during COVID when we weren't able to have that stuff. Back to Jack Hollow, who had cameoed in that episode of Dave. And then the last episode, when you just think you can't top it any harder, the finale. Pause. (laughs) He ended up getting Brad Pitt, not just a cameo, he was fully in the episode. Obviously, Rachel McAdams was in there. And then he actually got Drake at the end. Building up to this Drake moment, I wasn't sure if he was going to get him, but he got him. It kind of felt like it was the end of the season. I don't know. I think what I was talking to my brother about was- You mean the end of the series? End of the series. I feel like they didn't get renewed for anything past three seasons. I think they go season by season for this show because I heard Taco talking about it on Throwing Fits. He said it was like, oh, if we get another shot at this, that would be amazing. Yeah. Well, I think that's the thing. It's like three season deal or maybe they're going season by season as Dave, you said. Dave's felt very like that. Well it's like you have to kind of prepare for it to wrap every time so it has to have finality to every episode. It could end now. It could very much end. It sort of depends like it, it doesn't need to keep going from a story perspective but it's so entertaining. Well Entourage had that many seasons. Dave's a very good introspective show in a lot of ways. It is also quite vapid in a lot of other ways. But that's what Entourage was really great. Obviously there are things that didn't hold up well but it was very much a time capsule of the time that it was. I think that Dave is a time capsule of the time that it is now. Yeah, totally. Much like Entourage, there are things that are on the nose. You know, they had David Dobrik in that scene and it's like, this is the most relevant room and I'm kind of like, why is David Dobrik here? Is he still that relevant? Yeah. He was a bit cancelled, soft cancelled, uncancelled. I don't know what was going on, but you know. It just feels like from a story perspective, like Drake was the final boss. Yeah. And they got it and the way that they wrapped it. Well, they did that little like montage of how everyone's story ended. You know, like exactly. Santino got the girl and I, was th- I was saw thinking- the A24 thing. Taco starting his record label. I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, they've sort of done an ending that if they got renewed, they could easily keep it going. But if it ended here. The usual like ideal is five seasons and a movie. Like what could be cool is they come out with the Dave movie, like how they came back later to Entourage and did the Entourage movie. And yeah. it was just bringing back the gang. That's an option, but we'll see. I wanted to kind of give a nod to it because it was very great television. We had to wrap up. Obviously we left Succession is gone now. Yeah. I haven't watched Barry yet, but Barry ended as well. I haven't done Dave the yeah. We're holding for the idol. Yeah. I think Euphoria with the talk of Alexa Demi cameoing in the mm. idol. Yeah. Because it's all the same universe according to Sam. Well, Lenz. apparently she's going to play Maddie. Yeah, like it's the same. She'll play a cameo as Maddie. 
which is cool. Well, that's also very David Lynch and also very Brad Easton Ellis, where they're kind of these characters that exist in the same universe. Brett actually, because we got to name him every pod, Brett said that with the development of the Shards show is also going through HBO and there was talk on his pod about a director that he'd been wanting to work with on it. Obviously, it's a teen show based in LA and he was like, this person was perfect, but then we couldn't get the money right, so he's not going to be involved. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Sam Levinson, but who knows? This is just speculation. That's still on hold. Hopefully, it still goes ahead. I don't know who the production company will be. I know that he's directing it. Yeah, I think Euphoria could end. I don't think Euphoria really needs to go much further than another season. Yeah, well, apparently it's getting delayed till 2025. Yeah, like one more and I'm done, I think. Well, like Heidi Bivens was on Throwing Fits and she was saying, the stylist, she was saying that the next season they're not going to be in high school anymore. So they've got to kind of change their aesthetic because they can't be doing high school fits anymore, which was interesting. She just dropped a book. I saw Kim Gordon posting about it from Sonic Youth. So that was pretty sick. It was on Helen Gone. So we'll see. But that's kind of the update on a TV world. I really wanted to touch on this song, Girls by The Dare. Just because it's like in one of those things, like the moment will be over, but like I haven't really like vocalized my thoughts on it. It's so weird. There's this writerly outrage. I think it's happening on Twitter, right? Or is it kind of everywhere? I don't really know where it's come from, but I think the really the ones who care are like the writing, you know, the people who write for New York Times or whatever. The Dare is, he's giving me this vibe that he's not as new as we all think he is but basically he's this I think he's a New York artist who has written this song called Girls and they kept playing it on the podcast it sounds mm. like what's that band Le Tigre yeah what's the other band Death from Above or something like that I always think about New Young Pony Club yeah that whole sort of uh, Electro Clash you know the Clarkson the Rapture Clarkson. the Rapture that's the one so this song came out this year and it sounds like a song that would have come out in like 2009 or something and yeah. it's from the Indie Sleaze era it's one of those things it's like that fucking word chuggy where you're like ugh I was so outraged about the word indie sleaze because I'm like that's just a trash bag era well, and now you like everyone says it so you have to say it yeah you really don't like it I, to me it's a perfect little descriptor they were saying on podcast that the reason people are mad about indie sleaze as a term is because in that moment it wasn't called indie sleaze it yeah. was just was what it was it's a retrospective word yeah it's a retrospective word but it, to me it's like a perfect it had sleaziness but I think and it was what indie. is weird about that you know what it is actually I think that what I'm thinking about trash bag is specific to the club because you were trashed and you, that that was the term. Indie sleaze is almost like a time frame. It's not just the electronic music at the club. It's also the indie bands. There were so many different genres. Like, I guess, would you put the Strokes and Kings of Leon in that? Like, where yeah, probably what not about Kings... the Brooklyn bands? Like, where's Chairlift? Basically, anyone who was in Meet Me in the Bathroom. Yeah. Yeah, that's indie sleaze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's probably top of the pyramid. Because, mm. like, sleaze doesn't just mean sleazy in my mind, but also I associate it with, like, sweaty, like, sweaty fringes and yeah you know it paints a picture of- to me it's just like my street party era and that era of like you'd have bands like indie bands and then you'd have djs afterwards and that's kind of the time capsule but i always think back to third class and think about new rave and like justice and bang gang djs and stuff yeah and like the records. era the era of girls like leonard dunham yeah it sounds like a song from girls yeah and it's called girls and she's indie and sleazy like mm. she's both those things so that's why to me it's a perfect sort of descriptive the song itself is really catchy and i would say it's good even though mm. it's a bit you it's, know, it's fun a bit, like they were, yeah it's fun to me it's like you know kesha yeah. peaches like it's, it's good, provocative in that way so i think the trouble that people have with it and all of the like pearl clutching you know woke warriors are just like oh my god no one really knows what the issue is i think there's a little bit of you know oh my god it's objectifying the is lyrics it in the way are bit, that they're like we've risque. grown so far how are we regressing if I'm digging, if I'm like scraping away the layers, I think people are worried that all of the progress that we've made
made as a society and post Me Too, et cetera, is going to be thrown out the window because now it runs into this song and they're like, how could we be into this song if we've made all this progress? But it's like, have you ever listened to a rap song? These people haven't. Like, they don't. These I'm people a... listen to Big Thief. Yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah. They don't listen to rap. Yeah, this is Pitchfork with yeah. their pitchforks. Yeah, exactly. And if you really want to, like, look at, you know, this is just my, like, analysis. If you want to trickle back a little bit in the last couple of years, I would say that Phoebe Bridges has allowed for comedy and irony to come into a classically very chin-strokey serious world, which mm. is the pitchfork world. There's not much like humor, I guess. There's not much sarcasm. You know, I mean, Big Thief is the most, I mean, actually, I think of the Big Thief singer is actually quite funny and cool, but them as an act, they are very earnest and like. Yeah. And I think maybe the fandom is earnest in that way. Yeah. Like I. Maybe I've, they never went to the club. I have a lot of friends who are into Big Thief and I, I've actually heard that they're very cool. But if you were to just be like, how would you describe this? It just isn't giving much humor. It's very. Yeah. Like, it's very serious. It's almost like it just has the air of someone's died and this is the music you're listening yeah, to. Yeah, and it's, I feel like that. it's more like drinking wine in front of the fire at home versus yeah. like getting ratchet at the club, which yeah. this song sounds like. Like you're studying like your PhD and you're, yeah. you're very well read and everything is very serious. You've got a framed, like you've got a hung up frame of a New Yorker cover. Yeah, and because you're so serious and like well read, you're extremely woke. You've read all of the feminist journals of the last hundred yeah. years and all these things. So it's- You're subscribed to all the paywalls. It's not leading. It's not. You don't pirate anything. It's not leaving much gap for like humor and playfulness. And I think this is now piercing through. I also think there's a bit of a trauma amongst, you know, 30 plus people. I would say probably 33 plus is probably the actual, mm. let's say you're 34 now in 2023. You're mm. probably of age to be clubbing in the. See, I break. was deep in the club. And I think for me, there is a lot of trauma from that era. I romanticize that era in a way that I forget all the trauma. And I thought to myself the other day, I was just like tidying the room. I just thought, oh my God, I felt that sense of relief in my little utopia room. And I was like, oh, I forgot about all that terrible shit at the club, like the social dynamics of the scene and stuff. And I was like, what a relief that I don't have to worry about that anymore. And I that think- part I can understand if you're like, I don't want to go back there. Yeah, exactly. I think these are very subconscious connections and not direct. Feverages allowed some kind of humor to come into this world, which I think is a good thing. And then I think we have an era of Trump, which mm. is misogyny, you know, multiple sexual harassment allegations. Like post-Trump world has made the internet, especially Twitter, an absolute shit show mm. of just, you know, all of the QAnon people have risen up. And I think all of that is contributing to the feeling of like, we must be very serious because it's a serious time. I just I and- honestly feel like so much of it is because obviously the tone of this is not like a BLM conversation. It's more about a feminism conversation. I'd say it's more closely aligned social movement wise to me too. And that's what the outrage is. It is, yeah. At the same time as this is happening and this outrage is happening on TikTok, there's that viral song. I don't even know what it's called, but there's a dance going about the one where they're like, point me to a slut. That is currently viral at the same time as this outrage about the girls song is happening. And that song is way more turbo in terms of sentiment. That would be seen as a lowbrow. The target demo of the Indie Sleaze audience. Well, it's prevalently white. Isn't thinking about that song. I mean, even in the scene, it was mostly white. All the bands were white dudes. The song you just quoted, the 
whatever it's called, the slut one, is not, like, no one knows what that song is. Like, that's not. But it's huge on TikTok. Yeah, but it, exactly. So but this, it's not in the publishing world. Exactly. That's why it's this weird echo chamber of just nothingness. And I'm just like. Well, I'm also, like, circling back to Jack Harlow. It's a very separated genre at this point where they're like, rap music doesn't fall into indie sleaze. Whereas I'm like, but what about crunk? I remember there was, like, a crunk room at a lot of street party events. I mean, Kanye was a huge crossover into the indie sleaze world, if we're calling at that obviously now the same people that would be you know i'm not here to go on about kanye these same people would also like be the same people that are like put him in the bin i never liked kanye yeah you know and i feel like there's also a lot of projection of people who are trying to right their wrongs again this is why sleaze is a great way to put it because there's a lot of dads now a lot of 34 year old dads who are just the best daddy in the world and yeah they, yeah they don't want to unpack have, their dns exactly they have so much groping like <laughs> yeah they, these know, groomers have reformed and now they have children so they're like whoa whoa I never liked that music son so much groping that they did in the club and like sweaty like drunken nights yeah it's the whole like pretending you never read Vice pretending you never liked a Terry Richardson photo like now they've got their perfect little life I think that's what's going on is there's a lot of rejection of the past it's the denial of the past but the song is good and the echo chamber that is complaining about it no one knows where it started no one really cares most people don't I'm just like you know, you have to put a light on the people that are outraged because it's funny. There is outrage, but I think the outrage comes from people covering their tracks. I don't mm. think it's actual outrage. It's I projection, think, like you said. Yeah, they're just trying to sort of make sure that you know that they don't fuck with it, just in case <laughs> this is a cancelable moment. Yeah, so yeah. they're not like the, the They need on. to clutch their micro community. But that's not just happening with this, that's happening with so much stuff. But it's so funny because stuff. considering it's like this objectification, like I don't see it. Like I'm kind of like, I, yeah, I get it, but it's like you've got to take it with a grain of salt. Like it's quite ironic as a song which is very hipster like origins yes. of hipster indie world yeah and then you have Dasha from Red Scare and Rachel Sennett basically doing like a fuck you to the whole outrage. yeah they're like I mean they're quite provocative and Rachel Sennett's obviously in the idol and in a lot of A24 stuff and then Dasha is just Dasha but they represent a pushback against this kind of like fake woke thing that's happening which... I mean yeah they tow the line but this is that whole dirtbag left conversation yeah. which is very Vice like Vice was like really the origin for that and like early podcasts etc but yeah it's like if you let the song come through one ear out through the other and you go do I like this song I think 95% of people would go that was catchy or if they heard it out in the public yeah if you heard it in the club you'd be fucking loving it no one's going to the club these days yeah well not in this This target not in this particular outrage demographic yeah but then you have we're still going to the club we're still going to gigs so I do not identify with that side I'm not on the other side I'm not out here fucking listening to Riff Raff or ATL Twins like I'm not that deep guys but then you have the last sort of zoomed out analysis with all this is because we live in Y2K throwback moment and all of the 23 year olds are on TikTok are wearing Y2K which also wasn't a term of like clothing back in the day like Y2K was a term but it wasn't referring well, to Well Y2K is much like Indie Sleaze where it's a time capsule for all of the 2000s exactly. because Y2K was the Millennium Bug yeah. I'm actually flipping a Y2K Crash Millennium Bug Beanie Baby on my Depop if anyone's listening and no yeah. one's bought it because they don't get what that is they exactly. just like think it's a hashtag that is a style The power is no longer it's not in the hands of the people who have given up. It's now well, yeah. the culture is being made by people well, who the, are active. Well, the newness of, let's say, the younger generation, of like, let's say Gen Z to categorize it. An example of that is they would hear this song as new for them of an era that they romanticize, that they maybe didn't experience or their older brother or sister or whatever experienced. And a good example of that is when we were at the Rogue store, Emma had the Cobra Sank book on display. Jay also bought that while we were away and we have the Cobra Sank book on display in 
in the lounge room. Yeah. So it's just one of those things where it's like we're paying it forward in a way that it's new to the new gen. But yeah. I guess, like you said, that projection of that older generation that's like, no, 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 don't make the same mistakes that I yeah. did, but we can't control it. And this is now hilarious, like, cycle. I keep hearing this quote and it's like, history doesn't repeat itself, it rhymes. Like, that's just oh, such a... Deep. Prolific. Where'd you see that you one? Like, Throwing like fits that? meme or something. You like that? <laughs> um, Actually, on the Throwing fits I meme. I read that one from one of the um, intellectual PhD students. Oh, okay. So that, yeah, not Lawrence Hoffman then. Actually, on the Throwing fits meme, so I shared one with you the other day. I can't believe it. Like, I remember when we brought Lawrence out for Carbon years ago. I think he was still at Four Pins at the time. So this is pre-Fashion Bros, failing upwards, now throwing fits. Like, this whole time he has been the fucking funniest meme lord of all time. I don't know how you can stay that with it. But the memes fucking hit. And there was this one meme I shared with you, which was this fucking dog with a fringe. And speaking of the indie sleazy, he had a little neckerchief on. And it was like, who's been a good boy and wants to go thrifting all weekend or something like that. Referring uh, to like a girlfriend's boyfriend. Yeah. Like, he was talking to all the girls out there who have a goodest boy boyfriend who's like <laughs> G'd up to chuck on his little Burks and go for a coffee and a thrift. <laughs> You were really triggered. You were really triggered by that, baby. You referred to it a lot of times. But it's hilarious. Well, the funniest thing is that then you were the goodest boy and we did go thrifting and I fucking cleaned up on my haul. It also was just like a dog with a fringe. Yeah. The idea of cutting a little like fringe and putting a neckerchief on your dog is just too much. Too much to deal with. It's giving sub. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which I can't handle. Yeah, because you were like really triggered by the thought of the leash being brought on as we walked to the thrift store. Yeah. There was no leash, by the way. It's giving the idea that like the goodest boy is like a little sub and I do not want to be referred to as a sub. I wasn't referring to, I just thought it was like, no, funny, no, but no. You, I didn't think it would trigger you so much. But anyways, when we did go on the little hot girl walk to the thrift store. <laughs> I don't know if it was a hot girl walk because it exceeded, It was a hot girl walk for me. It, no, a hot girl walk is like 500 meters. No, there, it's not. There and back. No, I do a little 5 to 10k hot girl walk no, every day. Girl, this is not a hot girl walk because I can't even say those words properly because it was fucking long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> eventually became high. I think also your thrifting mentality is like you do a quick scan and then you're kind of done and then you do this thing where you shadow me and I'm like I like to look at literally everything like this is how I find the good shit I think and most... I also find it like I can disassociate in there and like yeah. you spend the longest well, when amount I'm off of time. the meds I need to find my what I was calling yeah. the circular retail therapy yeah you spend the longest amount of time in a thrift store yeah because I love it it's Sorry, like the music shop. I'm like looking at so many different things my mind is like yeah. feeling really but at but it peace. gets to a point and I'm used to it now it's a certain point where you've spent so much time in there that all anyone can do is just go outside because <laughs> yeah, ra- I would rather go get fresh air and wait for the yeah, extra well, half you know, an hour. Now you know how I and feel. I did the, yesterday. Yeah, fine. now you know how I feel at the supermarket when you want to look at every single hot sauce bottle. Yeah, you can vape outside. You yeah, can breathe fresh air. Whereas Anyways. you're all like on a mission in there. So I'm like, you know, what? I'm on a mission and I'm also just like absorbing it. I'm mood boarding IRL. I would say I'm being inspired. You could say I would say it's very selfless to just get out of your way. Well, I mean, I don't have to take you. You're like, off leash. When you're you go off out, leash, but, you can go wherever you want, which you did, and you went outside. It's like when you go to the club and someone wants to go home, and the other one's like listening to the dare. And they're like, oh, you just stay if you want to stay. And then it's like, that's the same sort of notion. Well, I did say leave if you must. Yeah, you just say, all right, I'm going to go. And then if the other what one's What would like, make sense is that you leave me at the thrift store and then you do the supermarket shit because everyone's happy then. Yeah, I love going to the supermarket by myself. I know, I, I don't mind it at a certain point, but you do what I do. The only the problem store. is when you need to do a shop for two people and it's not necessarily I'm trying to force you in there. So I need arms. I can't do. So you need a sub at that point. Not a sub, but you're the you one. Just get one of those grandma trolleys. You're 
you're eating the food. Like, actually, this is a good segue. We went to, where was it? It was Ikea the other day. And you're like, should we get a trolley? And I'm like, I hate trolleys. I never get enough. Well, I was also falling apart at that point. Yeah. So I was, I was using it almost like a walking device. The trolleys are like, they're the worst. I also do not fuck with those baskets. The ones that turn into a trolley. with the I little- literally, my eyes just went wide and my mouth just dropped open because those are my favorite. With the flimsy arm? I can't stand No, it. it's because you're too tall. See, they're the perfect height for me. I and cannot stand I like to put my handbag in there. They got the rickety wheels. Not always. They got that plastic handle that kind of warps. I just like a sturdy, deep basket. Eh. That's my preferred. But again, see, this is the frame that works for you at my height and frame. It's a self-control thing. I don't want any self-control in the thrift store. This is the, this <laughs> is the tagline. You don't buy what you can't carry. So if like, you're not going to start buying. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that you always need a trolley. At Ikea, though, everything's big. Yeah. As soon as you guys got the trolley, you slung your bags in there. That's what I mean. So I realized that. I was like, this is That's what I'm saying. This is a bag carrier. It is. And that's why I like the little one that turns into a trolley basket one because I'm fucking out here getting back pain, but I have a big bag. I always have a big bag. You sometimes go bagless and this is something that maybe you'll never understand. I don't mind those mini trolleys where it has like, it's almost like- Little baby ones. No, it's like, yeah, they're so small. Those little half depth ones. Yeah, Like they're at your like- I do like those. I prefer those. I don't love the deep trolleys, but sometimes you just got to work with what you've got. But yeah, back to the hot girl walk. You know that paint and sip shit? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, where you sip wine and you paint oh, yeah. as like an activity, like a hen's night or something. How could, I, how could I miss it? Yeah, so I saw one as we were walking and this wasn't just a paint and sip. This was a paint and sip your own pet. But I think what it was saying was paint your own pet and sip, actually. Was that it? makes more sense. Paint your own pet nap. Oh. You like that? That is actually a good one. And one of these natty wine brands should do it where you just paint the bottle that you bring. I just came up with a good idea. That is actually, that's a niche. That's a niche that would definitely work. So that was one thing that we saw. Then we saw the doggy pizza. It's so cursed. <laughs> I think it was like a pizza making class using all ingredients for your dog. Or maybe they made it for you. I actually wasn't sure. I mean, this is weird because I think we all think and sometimes know that Google is listening because I got an Instagram ad this morning after like this whole debacle. Debacle. <laughs> dog barkle. All right, keep it moving. And it was for a pet food company. They were like, so good that you can eat it as well. The ad was just the owners eating. (laughs) No. Literally eating the pet food out of the plastic container like it's a fucking... Nah, that's fucked. Like, what are those... What? Give me a brand, like a... Light and easy. Yeah, literally. They were like, so good that you can eat as well. Nah, fuck that. And they're just like, mmm, yeah, I'm like chumming down on this dog food. I mean, I guess in some ways, any tuna that's not Serena tuna is basically cat food. This had gone too far. This is like when you see people tongue kissing their dog. Nah, don't fuck like, with that. Like, like I've just accepted that. Oh, this, I actually feel sick. Yeah, I, I've I just accepted in this world that like dogs are preferred. I'm not like a big dog person, but I've accepted that. Most... I like looking at pictures of dogs. Yeah. I like looking at dogs that walk past me that look cute. Of course. But when you see someone open mouth kissing their dog or letting the dog tongue just like. Lick all over their face. Yeah. Like, or like, yeah, lick their lips. And I'm just like. <laughs> oh, no, I can't deal with it. Do they brush? their teeth i don't know how clean dogs actually are i don't care because when i walk past a dog that's just done its thing it stinks yeah no i'm not into any of that and that just makes me think like what else the only pet i would ever want is a teacup piglet but i do feel bad that they are like genetically modified to say that small and what is near the dog's mouth their nose and where does their nose go in other dogs butts into the butts yeah this is very confusing so think about it guys so you're letting we're all out here being like talking about vaccinations it's just weird social distancing but the, the real problem is everyone letting their dogs lick their face after it's licking other dogs' weird, butts. Man. It's weird. Yeah, so the other thing that was also weird was we were at A1 and... <laughs> 
because it's also weird. Yeah, so big sugar rant incoming. I mean, we're sitting there and I look across <laughs> and this woman who has like two babies, you know, she's ordered like a bunch of like Zartar pizzas and just like, I'm like, oh, that's cute. Like she's just like feeding the kids. And then just before they are about to eat the real food, I see her, what I thought was maybe like a little medicinal moment, a bit of cough syrup or something into the kid's mouth, whatever. And I look carefully and she's feeding her child a sugar packet. It wasn't just a sugar packet. It was a Bundaberg yeah. sugar. White like, sugar. Like straight. Not raw sugar. Straight into the mouth. And then I just see him just like grin as if he's just been like given an iPad. He had that dopamine unlock. That's fucking crazy. That's, That's the last like, thing you meant to do. Remember the milk bar when you were young and you get those little straws full of sugar? And yeah, that yeah. was like a, I don't know if it was citric acid or something in there. Was that was sherbet? like that moment. Sherbet? I know. It wasn't even sherbet. It was some kind of like sugar crystals in yeah. a straw. Yeah. As Meth. a lolly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crack. We, we're in the meth market. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is the deep suburbs treat. Remember? Remember that, Harry? Like, no. <laughs> Anyways, no, the baby was not getting I fed was on meth that natural green. In opposition to the big sugar rat, something that is a healthier sugar, which is like, I guess, the fructose. I don't even know. Is that a sugar? There's like glucose yeah. and then there's fructose. The apples, the purple bravos. So you cop one the other day. What? Purple bravos. Oh, I thought you were saying arbors. No. Arbor. Purple arbors. Okay. Well, anyways, they're calling it the Louis Vuitton of apples. Yes. I remember when you copped one. Yeah, yeah. It was in the D suburbs and you were like, holy shit, taste this apple. Yeah, it was about a year ago. Yeah. Earlier so, doctor. It was like a dark midnight purple. It's it looked almost... like the twilight apple. Yeah, forbidden fruit type yeah. shit. I think your mom actually bought a bunch of them when I ate it and I was like, wow, this is crazy. And I remember looking at the sticker, like the first time I've actually, the apple sticker has yeah, actually name checked it. come in handy. And I was like, thank God. It was called Bravo. And I was like, oh, didn't really think much of it. I was like, this must have been kicking around for a while and I just haven't had it. I remember going back and getting them specifically did a trip just to get these apples and I got them and I was like yum 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 and then yeah a year later I see an article and it's like they're on their seventh harvest ever so it's giving me like genetically modified mm. type shit or not modified sometimes they make like a mutt of an apple and... well it's interesting that they're calling them the Louis Vuitton of apples because I wonder if they'll start bootlegging them like maybe you'll see at some of these little like grocers they start to like paint yeah I'd love to see a regular monogram. red a monogram apple would be quite the look I mean that's very Japanese I feel you actually see that in some of those stores they have like a little bit of the writing on them Mm. Yeah, get the Bravo Deep Crimson. Well, it's called a Purple Bravo. It's so good. They Actually, are perfectly Apple- acidic, crispy, mm. and sweet. Yeah, so review is strong. Would you say it's a five out of five? Hell yeah. A good one. Not every apple is born the same. Like, don't get a bruised one and then go, oh, Harry said they were the best. Fire beware. <laughs> Fire beware. Get, don't drop it and then criticize it. Like, yeah. make sure you feel it, much like all your fruits and vegetables. Yeah, give it a little knock. Good way to find out if a pineapple is ripe is the top of the spiky part mm. the middle of it pull it and if it comes out easily it means it's ripe mm. again if it's, it's a green pineapple and you've just yanked it it's not ripe yeah don't yank those pineapples you have to do a few tests smell test pull that thing color test etc so mm. let's not be dumb there's an art to this I'm just giving you game for the veggie shop you might be able to pick up if you're a single <laughs> person this is probably what you should be doing instead of letting your dog kiss your mouth but anyways on Apple Talk <laughs> I just have the word Apple Nerd Goggles yeah good segue yeah I think it was like the Financial Times. They were like, <laughs> Apple's officially made the nerd goggles or some shit. They're just like VR, AR as well. They're really interesting. 
they're definitely giving dystopian vibes. It's not the first of its kind. It's no. just an Apple official. I follow a few sort of VR like stands on LinkedIn who are really writing for this. And it's given a surge of energy into the VR industry mm. because there's one called Oculus. I think that might be mm. the face one or Meta. And then... There was the Snap lenses. Yeah, there was those. There's been there a few... There were the Ray-Ban ones that... Oh, they, were they just video? That was just a video camera. Oh, no, no. I have used one actually at a Banksy exhibit in Austin. <laughs> that was actually pretty cool. Yeah, at South by, yeah. I mean, it didn't look cool from where I was sitting because I didn't do it, but I was watching you and I was like, this is so nerdy. Yeah. Because it's Apple, they just do the best products. Yeah. They look sleek and... Well, I guess it's also that thing where people on LinkedIn need to cycle through a new trend because AI is kind of getting saturated. So they were like, we need to drop something so that people have something to talk about. I mean, Apple are just so good at launching these things. If you take the way that Mark Zuckerberg launches a product and you take Apple, they are just the absolute kings of PR. Mm. They're so good at it. Like, why are you launching this as a keynote? And even the price point is like 3500 US. It's really expensive. But I've seen a lot of people... People just sort of say, like, it's not made for consumers right now. But, you know, at the same time, I remember when the AirPod Maxes were released and they were so fucking expensive, like $1,000, like a handset, basically. Yeah. And now you see the girlies walking around with them and fucking putting their wildflower cases and putting stickers on them and shit. Like, yeah. at some point, that doesn't seem expensive to the right kind of consumer. You're not going to mass saturate the market with these lenses at that price. It's probably just a B2B play at this point. Yeah. You know, the museums of the world and, you know, the car companies. If you think of it like, let's say you're Porsche mm. and you get a couple of these headsets for the showroom instead of doing test drives yeah you can go into that sort of realm or yeah to be honest the least scary and the most practical use of this is for film this could kill the cinema you put a hundred people in a room with these headsets on and then you put on the same movie and it's an immersive 3d experience with, yeah it could, uh, to be honest it's probably going to kill imax yeah like you don't need to have this do you need room. 4d and do yeah. you need imax anymore for movies and for gaming and i, I would just say entertainment for me I could definitely see being a thing is sport games Mm, like basketball AFL or any sport and you just set up a camera Australian Open's probably the one that's gonna really embrace it because they were the ones that did the metaverse activation and I haven't really seen any other sporting code really go that extreme into tech I don't really love gamifying like I don't need to be able to interact with the game they already do it they give you like a thousand different angles that you can switch to Mm. but the idea of literally being able to be courtside and maybe they'll sell you a digital ticket for five bucks ten bucks and Mm. you can just be on the court well if you thought about the investment that went into the i don't know which metaverse situation australian open did it in if it was roblox or something else if they took that investment and put it into this this would be a much better consumer experience i think this complements that you know they're getting close to sort of merging those two worlds because at the moment it's all a bit fractured and well i think it's still very digitized where it's like avatars whereas if i could just see the real deal like i want to be able to feel like when we were at that lakers game yeah. And I could be like, what does it smell like? What does it look like over yeah. there? If I look up, what is that looking at? Like those little nuances of what I like to see at events. Yeah. I think one thing that people are getting wrong with this type of stuff, why I'm less scared of this stuff is because the way that they were sort of had the headset on some dad's face and he's at his kid's birthday party and the kid's blowing <laughs> out the candles and he's wearing the headset whilst it's happening to record it. And like, that's a bit weird. And I'm like, that's like a fucking Tim and Eric skit. It's just so stupid. It's kind of like the whole like iPad baby thing. It's like, it shouldn't yeah. take away from your ability to interact with the real world it should be a 
replacement for your inability to be in the real world. Because to all the haters and the doubters out there who are like, blah, 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 I'm like, you never would have thought that you could have this little screen in your bed when you're about to go to sleep and you can watch anything you want. And this is one of those things where I'm like, you just have to think logically about where this will make sense. And it doesn't make any sense to put it on at your kid's birthday party. So stupid. Like I saw, oh my God, we were in a like little, little convenience store or something and this, like he was 10 and he had like a phone, like an iPhone. His phone rang he was like took a call and he was like acting up like he was like yeah no i'm busy like just his mate calling him while he's like on the go and he's just like talking like an adult or like a late teen and i was just like this is so weird because obviously we had phones when we were young but it's just so integrated now that it's like ipad babies really exist like these kids are not joking with how used to tech they are i saw a bunch of school kids like near the park recently and i swear this kid i'm talking like 10 it was like an excursion thing i swear she was was like flying a drone i couldn't see the drone but she had the little remote and i was like are you really flying a drone right now because that's crazy yeah i mean i guess it was the little ramifications i used to be i used to be obsessed with those remote control cars oh yeah actually a good way to tie this all up because we were talking about the purple bravos and apple maccas has just had grimace their own purple bravo take over the maccas account on instagram yeah it's grimace week it's his birthday week dude it's fucking fire like the not mcdonald's au just straight mcdonald's instagram it's pretty funny meme account yeah it's really good and like he's just posted his birthday announcement flyer and he's got that perp perp going on yeah he's He's like change the dp change the bio like it's true grimace hours and he's always been my favorite of the mcdonald's fam yeah i did wonder what happened to the rest of the group because it's kind of all been about ronald lately and hamburglar's got a lot of opportunity isn't the hamburglar cancelled or something oh what happened is it because of crime crime or like you know he's giving like deceptive vibes and that's not- <laughs> well yeah i mean people are mad about the dare they're not going to be happy about hamburger no question mark on cultural appropriation then with grimace like this fucking leaned out poster is there a fourth character birdie hamburger birdie who's birdie the bird that has a little pilot outfit on oh, i'm less familiar with birdie yeah birdie's another character i don't know much about her personality yeah i don't think birdie's like as famous as the other three well is it because she's a woman no, it's I've never heard of Birdie. <laughs> what are you talking about? Dude, are you serious? I reckon most people have not heard of Birdie. We don't have fair working rights. She's not getting enough airtime. Ronald, Hamburglar, and Grimace. I think there was like a question mark on what Grimace actually is. And they were like, he's some kind of like, I don't know, like a parasite or something. It was just like a weird like nucleus. I mean, anyway, happy birthday, Grimace. Yeah, big happy birthday. Anyway, we'll speak to you soon.